Beginning my day with a Bible devotional has absolutely been the best thing I could have ever done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses I look through when I'm reading the Old or the New Testament. So get a cup of coffee, sit back, and join me as I think with my mouth open. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I am Paige, your caffeine-imbued host, and here is my coffee. And they all sang in unison, in the beginning, coffee, lo, it was very good. It is very good. I love my coffee. All right, today is kind of a difficult chapter for me, because again, what God stirred up inside me and the thoughts he gives me, um, gave me when I read this, uh, we're reading about the end of Saul, um, you see the title, I've titled this devotion, chapter 31, Choices Made. Um, Saul is a product of his choices. We can say that about all of us. Um, and we'll talk more about Saul's choices when we get to the end of this short little chapter. But we're seeing, oh, the, I'm reading this whole chapter and I keep asking, I keep saying to myself, gosh, what could have been? Saul could have been the king that Israel talked about, like they talk about David. Saul could have been what David became. The difference between the two of them are the choices they made. I know that seems evident and plain as a nose in your face, but I just keep circling my wagons back to this thought, ah, oh, the choices made. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but let's get right to it. Let's read the chapter first and have a few thoughts, and then we're I'm going to share my heart on this the topic of choices. Now, the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead in Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchashua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword, run me through. Or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. Now, you might look at this and say, oh, this is a final scene of a tragic hero. Uh, and, and there are instances of nobility and honor throughout Saul's life. But they weren't... These actions of nobility and honor weren't to reflect glory to God but they generally were to reflect glory to Saul. In fact, what the writers of the Old Testament do is they commend David because he, in times of distress, turns to God. Saul did not. Saul's choices were always against God. So there were acts of nobility in Saul's life, yes. But truthfully, uh, this is not the act of a tragic hero. This is the act of a man who is reaping the benefits of his choices. But his armor bearer was terrified. 
wouldn't do it. He wouldn't kill Saul. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. And when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons, that includes Jonathan, and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them, those towns. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gaboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men marched through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. Now, uh, cremation wasn't a normal form of burial, but they probably did that to keep the Philistines from abusing the bodies of Saul and his sons even further. Uh, and it was an act of, this act of bravery on the part of Jabesh Gilead men is due to the fact that Saul had rescued them from the Amalekites earlier on. Uh, we read about that in the, in the beginning part of 1 Samuel. And so this was their way of just honoring him. They took his body down and gave it a good burial. It says here, they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Okay, that's the end of this chapter. All right. Got to talk about this. And this is, again, the reason for my doing devotional Bible studies like this is primarily not to do an academic deep dive. And the, that's a temptation for me. And it's not a bad temptation. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely... Uh, fascinated by all that stuff. But the purpose of devotional is really to take a look at me and to take a look at God. God, what are you showing me? And what do I see about you? And um, so I'm going to share what God is showing me out of all this. And again, my thought, you see it in the title, Choices Made. I look at Saul, I'm thinking, what could have been? What could have been? Saul could have been what David became. Saul could have been the greatest king of Israel. But instead, that mantle passed to David. And what was the difference between Saul and David? Well, in First Chronicles chapter 10, it says this, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. You see in Saul, you see in David, everything that Saul was not. David was a man after God's own heart. And we're going to find out David was, that doesn't mean David was a choir boy. He surely was not. He was imperfect in so many ways. But his heart was always turned towards God. And even when he sinned and did grievous things, even in the midst of being punished by God for the things he did, and he did get punished by God for his sins, 
his heart still turned towards God. His face was turned towards God. Saul's was not. Saul was never turned towards God, as far as I can tell. From the very beginning, he was disobeying God. So that led me to thinking. Saul disobeyed God. That was his choice. When he became king and he started sensing the power and the authority that was his by virtue of being king, I kind of think it got to him. He didn't need God. He could snap his fingers as king and make things happen. What does he need God for? Um, if, if we view our lives as a, as a wall that we're building, and each brick or stone in that wall is a choice made. If choices are made with the goal in mind of what that wall will look like when you're done, that wall will look a whole different, lot different than if you just make choices willy-nilly without thought of what the eventual outcome will be. If you live in the moment and don't look to the future. If you, it, it's... My older brother, I loved him. He was a hero of mine growing up. He introduced me to guitar, music. Um, he was brilliant. He could have been anything he wanted to be. In fact, he had half a dozen different careers throughout his life. And he was good at whatever it was he did. But he always lived for the moment. He didn't look to the future. And as a result, he impoverished his family and himself. And at the end of his life, there was a lot of regret. And when he passed away, there was next to nothing to remember him with. It was sad. But those were the choices my brother made. Now, my younger brother, myself, our lives took a different vent, took a different direction. My younger brother, Pat, lived very much with the future in mind. And he built a good home, raised a good family. Uh, he's in retirement now, and he's doing well. Um, totally different than the way Paul lived his life. I have been forced by God through this chapter to focus on the choices I've made. And from the time that I first bowed my knee to God, in 1975, in that church boot camp worship experience with that full gospel uh, choir and band. Oh my gosh, incredible music. Um, I have done my best to make my choices in the context of my relationship with God. I haven't been perfect. I've made a lot of bad choices. But I continually keep circling my wagons back to what would God have me do? What would God have me do? I have a goal by the end of my life to have built a wall, if you will, if a wall represents my life, that is strong, tall, wide, powerful wall. And that's David also. David makes his choices in accordance with, he, for the most part, what does God want? And when he makes wrong choices, he circles back to God and submits to God's mercy and to God's judgment. 
and to God's justice. My choices that I've made sometimes have gone contrary to what the world would have me do. And it would seem foolish in the eyes of the world. But if, am I living my life according to what the world wants or to what I, what I see that God wants? The biggest example would be I served in the United States Navy for 16 years. I was one tour of duty away from retiring at 20 years and receiving a pension for the rest of my life. And I got out at 16 years. The reason I got out was my children would have been severely impacted by that choice. They were both starting their high school careers, and that's a very important part time of life for a child. And they had traveled around the United States with me through the first through all those 16 years, never complaining. But I saw what it was like to go into each one of these different school districts. One year, I think my daughter and son were in like four different school districts. It was I was hard on them. And high school is really important. And I knew that the three choices I had before me, if I'd gone to any one of those three choices, my children would have been impacted to their detriment with where I was going to be living. And I won't detail those choices. Just know this, that none of those places would have done my children any good at all. And I had a choice to get out. I had an offer of employment in Georgia. And so I took it. I got out at 16 years. I walked away from that 20-year retirement payment. I walked away from the honor and privilege of retiring from the United States Military Service. I walked out the gate and into a new life in Atlanta, Georgia area. And yes, in the world's eyes, that was a wrong choice. But I wasn't making my choice according to what the world thought. I was making choice according to what my family needed. My family had gone through 16 years of me being gone a lot. They'd gone through 16 years. My wife had gone through 16 years with me being gone a lot. And I was going to be home now. I was going to, they were going to move into a community in rural Georgia, which had a great high school, and these kids could finish out their academic careers and enjoy a life that was planted firmly that wasn't going to be getting up and moving in a couple, three years. See, the love that God calls us to follow is a love that is outward focused. Saul made choices on, based on what he thought was best for Saul. I made my choices based on what was best for my children and my wife. And I put my desires to the side. I put what was best for me to the side. My, my love for my family dictated my choices. My love for God dictated that I put my family first. The choices I made, I believe, were good choices. I'm 67. Men in my family rarely live past 75. So if I'm in the last 10 years of my life, 8 to 10 years of my life, then my wall is pretty much built. <laughs> There's not much more I'm going to do. My children are established. They're making wonderful choices. I have wonderful grandchildren. 
all my children are following God. All my children are making great financial decisions and family decisions. Um, I've my wall is good. What it could have been if I decided to make my choices based on what I want would have ended up being a wall of piles of rocks, rubble, and maybe a few bricks. Um, that maybe from a distance looks like a decent wall, but when you get up to it, you see all these holes in it, and it's not structurally sound. That's what my life could have been. But if you look at my life now, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. My family is well-established. God has established my family here in Georgia. I'm seeing the results of a life that's not perfect, but a life of satisfaction because I have sought to follow God. And when I read this chapter that we just read about Saul, I grieve. At the end of his life, Saul had as his only option to kill himself. He watched everything he had built crumble in front of him. The Philistines were destroying his army. Everything he had worked to build for the sake of Saul was gone. Crumbled. The wall that was his life was rubble. So what choices are you making with your life? Are you making your choices with the long game in mind? Are you making your choices with, at the end of your life, you will have established your family, that your name will be uh, spoken with honor? Uh, or have you lived your life totally to, to, for your own choices, for your own things, and as you reach the end of your life, you're lonely because you haven't built relationships. Maybe your children aren't close to you anymore. Maybe you and your wife are even becoming estranged. Ah, these are the thoughts that come to mind. The choices we make determine what our life, how our life will be remembered when we're gone. I would, as a musician, I've given up opportunities and I've lost opportunities that would have garnered me some moderate, probably good income, maybe modicum of fame, because uh, I'm a good musician, I'm a good player. But my family has always been more important than anything I wanted. And I have walked away from opportunities that could have benefited me financially. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when I die and God, and I'm standing in front of the throne of God, I would rather have died with nobody in the world knowing who my name was 
and hear God say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Rather die and be known by God than to have died hearing the world shout my name in acclamation, to stand in front of God and say, have hear him say, Paid Chu, I'm sorry, I never knew you. The choices we make, they're important. The primary choice we have to make is whether or not we will bow our knee to the God of the universe. I have friends of mine who won't, who made up their mind. Some of them don't believe that there's a God. Some of them believe there's a God and they just don't like him much. That's their choice. But there will come a day when we have to stand in front of the judgment seat and judgment will be passed on us. My goal has always been and is to be able to stand in front of him covered in the blood of Christ to be welcomed into an eternity with him. That's my choice. Those are the choices. That's the direction my choices are taking me. What direction are your choices taking? Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? There's some thoughts worth thinking there. And I think I'll leave this there. This page. Here's my coffee. God bless you. Folks, have a great day. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.